hey, you're listening to Chew on That. Here's what we're chewing on today. It was the look and the sound of hopelessness, the look and the sound of helplessness. And, and some of you, you have that same look in your eyes. You have that same sound in your voice. You feel physically, emotionally, spiritually helpless, hopeless. That's why we're doing this series, five things to remember when you're feeling hopeless, which I want to continue today with the message we're calling You Are Chosen. Hey, hi, welcome to Chew On That, a podcast where we dig deeper into the most recent sermon for the most current sermon series happening at Life Church in Green Bay. And that's the sermon series, Five Things to Do When You're Feeling Hopeless. And uh, we're going to hear from Pastor Sean in uh, the third message in this series today. And joining me today is my very good friend, Shelby Cox. Say hi, Shelby. Hi. I'm so glad that you're here today. Thanks. You guys have never met Shelby on this podcast because even though we've been doing this for more than a year and gone through just about everybody else on staff, Shelby's been the one person that has not come on the show. I'm trying not to be offended by that or think that it's because she doesn't like me. So, but we'll find out, I guess, over the course of the next 30 or 35 or 45 minutes. And so, Shelby, I feel like a lot of people um, probably know your face and know that you're around, but maybe not maybe know so much about you. So maybe you could just tell us a little bit about yourself. Of course. Um, well, I don't know. What do you want to know? Oh my gosh. We just <laughs> talked about this in pre-show. I know. Where were you born? Uh, I was born in uh, Northern California. Oh, where? Yeah, in the Bay Area. Oh, wow. Hayward, California. Yeah. Oh, I love Hayward. Yeah. I just don't know where that is. Okay. So yeah. it's, you know, by I, the, in the San Francisco, the, you know, that area over there. Gotcha. Yeah. So you lived there until when? Oh, I lived there until I was probably six, and then I moved to Placerville, and then, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a pastor's all, kid, so uh, we moved a lot. <laughs> oh, where's Placerville? Placerville is kind of uh, in between Tahoe and Sacramento. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so, it's a little town. Um, have you heard of Thomas Kincaid? I did. Yeah, okay, so a lot of his paintings are of buildings and homes in Placerville. Oh, wow. That's super cool. Yeah. Although I'm not old enough to have any Thomas Kincaid paintings in my home. <laughs> there is one though that he did of like Geppetto's hometown, like where Pinocchio and Jiminy Cricket are standing on a hill overlooking a town. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite because mm -hmm. I, I, it's Disney. Cause yeah, it's Disney <laughs> and Jiminy Cricket. So, you know, I have to confess this. We've known each other for a long time. I did. Cause I just never knew that you were a pastor's kid. I am. Yeah. So I'm a pastor's kid. My my dad is a music pastor, a worship pastor. Uh, my grandfather is a pastor huh. and pastored many churches as I was growing up. My uncle is a pastor in the San Diego area. Wow. Um, yeah. So I kind of, I grew up in ministry. So what kind of church did you grow up in? In an Assemblies of God church. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Me too. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's awesome. So then, yeah. so then you, then were you living in Placerville when you went to school? Did you go to school? I did go to school. Where did yes. you go to school? I did not. I, I did. I didn't go to school. In, well, I did in my very young age. <laughs> Sorry. In my like, elementary. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but, you know, those years are, I don't yeah. really remember school yeah. back then. So after high school, what did you do? After high school, I moved to San Luis Obispo, did um, a little bit of schooling at the college there, um, and then I moved to Las Vegas to be home with my parents. Oh. So, and then I was in Las Vegas for about 13 years. I met my husband, Dallas, Pastor Dallas, probably know of him. Yeah. Oh, he might be the kid's pastor here. Yeah, he is. He's yeah. totally the kid's pastor. Yeah, he is. And um, yet still does half the work that you do here. 
No, well, I don't know about yeah, him. I'm he does sure a lot. Of, he does a lot now that he's <laughs> the kid's pastor. But yeah, he does a lot. Um, mm. So yeah, and then we moved to the San Diego area where we met Sean and Sunny, and then came here. That's it. That's it. So the church and Jesus has always been part of your life. Always. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. And so then yeah. you have kids. I do. I have three kids. Yep. Kennedy, she is 11, going into sixth grade. Crazy. I, I know. It's very crazy. Um, and she, you know, she oh, she doesn't listen to this podcast, so. Yeah, no, thankfully. she does not. Yeah. <laughs> she, but she thinks she's like 17 or 18. Mm, yeah. You know, typical. Yeah. Uh, and then I have twins. They're six, so Riley and Logan. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I have a Kennedy painting in my office. You do? Of a rocket ship. Right on. That's, yes. yes, that's yeah. true. I have one yeah. in my office too. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I love that. Okay, so today we're going to talk about, like I said, uh, Sean's message on hopelessness. And I really love this one. I've already forgotten the title of it though. You are... Chosen. Chosen, mm-hmm. which is also the name of a really great TV show. Mm, is it? Do you not watch that? No. I don't feel like you can I be have a- seen... I have not watched the show but i know i think i know what show you're talking oh shelby about. Yeah. seriously though you have to watch that show mm. like it's like it's like everything really yeah it's okay. everything okay it's everything all right so anyway and to all of our faithful listeners you should be watching that show too because it's super duper super duper good so anyway let's just jump into that that this show brought to you by the chosen anyway let's jump <laughs> into that first soundbite right now <laughs> Multiple studies over the last 40 years have discovered that the way you see yourself determines the way you act. And the way that you act determines the way that you react. Those studies, they've discovered how a person's self-perception affects their self-worth and their self-worth affects their self-esteem. Yeah, I I mean, like this one punched me in the face, like immediately. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I'm not trying to make this uh, a journey to wholeness, you know, show or whatever, but like that, I mean, and I never recognized that idea that, um, I, I responded to everything. I reacted to everything based on who I thought I was or who I thought I was to the person I was interacting with, mm-hmm. you know, like what, where was I compared to them always? Like, where am I compared to you? But right. by age or by importance or by power or by looks or by talent or, you know, like everything. I like, was constantly comparing myself to other people and like, and then like behaving appropriately or right. what I thought was appropriately, right. you know? And so these things, this idea that, you know, that the Bible tells me is that I'm a, an adopted child of heaven, right? That I'm a, that I'm a prince of heaven myself. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, well, I mean, then I don't think there's anybody that's greater than me. I mean, except for God. Right. <laughs> and so like, I shouldn't be operating out of a sense of like less than right. that. In fact, you know, yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? For sure. For sure. Yeah. So um, like, yeah. I, so for me, I mean, I didn't figure that out till I was like 50. Yeah. And that's a long time to go, you know? So when, so have you ever operated out of a place like that where you were like operating out of a place of less than? Oh, for sure. And I think, um, I think I'm constantly having to remind myself and learn over and over again, not to compare and not to operate from that position because it's so easy as a human, um, living in this world to get caught up in, in that. Yeah. Um, so I'm, yeah, I'm constantly having to remind myself. That's why it's so important to stay in, in the, your word 
into in God's word and yeah. and constantly be uh, leaning into Him. I know it's easier said than done, but otherwise, we're always going to be operating out of comparison. And what does Pastor Sonny say? Yeah, comparison is the thief of joy. It's the great crippler. Oh, sorry. I thought she said comparison is the thief of joy. <laughs> Maybe she said that too. Oh. I just always remember comparison is the great crippler. And huh. it does. And comparison. <laughs> that totally and- <laughs> backfired. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, it also is the great crippler. It yes. is. And I feel like comparison and fear are hand in hand because I think, feel like fear kind of leads into comparison, which I mean. Yeah, because fear is doubt, right? Fear is uncertainty. Right. Fear is not knowing. And so right. you're going to grab onto and hold fast to anything that you think is solid or anything that you think is informative, right? right. To, okay, how do I know more? And so, you know, and it's easy for our minds to flip to the worst possible case scenario or the mm-hmm. worst possible, you know, outcome. And then we hold on to that. And like, that, and like, I feel like when Jesus talks about hope and peace mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, all this other stuff, it's, it, we like gloss over it because we feel like we know what hope and peace means. Right. And so we just, we, I don't, we don't even digest it. It, right. it, uh, it goes in one ear and out the other. And right. like that hope and peace is, is like, I mean, it's so poignant because our nature is to grab on to like the negative is to grab on to the, you know, mm-hmm. the less than, right. And right. just hold on to it for life, even though it's not life giving. Yeah. You know? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I love that. That was really good. Good job. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why is it that we're writing our stories or we're forming our beliefs of ourselves on the opinions of misinformed, unauthorized sources? Like, of course the enemy wants you to think you're hopeless. He's uninformed. He thinks he actually has say. He thinks he actually gets input. But God is the authority on who we are. And he says you are loved. He says you are chosen. You're an overcomer. That you're more than a conqueror. That you are beautifully and wonderfully made. Mm. It's good. It is good. It reminds me of... uh, something I, uh, I've said in the past about how um, oftentimes to get a sense of ourself or a sense of our worth or a sense of our value, we'll look to other people, mm-hmm. right? And see what's reflected in how they treat us. Mm-hmm. So if how they treat us is, you know, so-and-so, then I must be this. Or if they treat right. us in you know, this other way, then I must be this other thing. But I'm looking at a demented uh, reflection, like not demented, like I don't know. Sometimes I feel like there's a negative connotation. Well, obviously it's a negative cup. It's a ruined mirror, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm looking for someone else to tell me who I am, right. their mirror is jacked up. Right. It's like a funhouse mirror where it's like, oh my gosh, I'm my head so big or look at how long my legs are. Look for at how sure. fat I am or look at how skinny I am. Right. We're looking at funhouse mirrors trying to, and saying, oh, that must be what I am. Right. And then like, and then we end up feeling like I hate myself in that mirror. Right. I hate myself. Right. If that's the mirror, like, oh my gosh, I'm the worst. And so like we go through life that way, you know, looking at demented mirrors and that's just, I don't know, that's no way to go through life. And so, you know, I probably make too much of it, but like there's a worship song and a Lauren Daigle song that are very much the same song. Like I am who you say I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's her song. What's the worship song that's just like that? Anyway. That's her song. Yeah. But who you say I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's her song. But then she's got a song that's almost exactly like it. Oh Yeah. I don't think I've heard that one. Oh, come or maybe on. I have. I'm really bad with titles. What is going on right I now? Know. It's Lauren, Lauren Daigle's song. It's like if everyone would accuse her of being a one hit wonder, that's the one hit. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. 
Shelby. I know I'm terrible. Anyway, (laughs) but I feel like that's it though. I mean, that's the absolute (laughs) truth is that, that I am who he says I am. Right. You know, and it's, it's hard to find that because it's easier to find, it's easier to look at like, I need to be who my spouse says that I am, Mm -hmm. you know, like, but like our spouses are no less a demented mirror than anybody else. And so they're going to see us through their hurts or ways that we might've disappointed them or let them down or, you know, hurt them. Mm -hmm. And so like, that's not going to be an accurate reflection either. Right. And so the most, the most viable reflection of who we are is who God says we are because he created us in his image. Exactly. So there's like, that's the purest, cleanest thing. And so I think about like the letter in Paul about something. Mm-hmm. I'm really bad with my Bible. <laughs> I mean, like I'm good with my Bible. I'm really bad at remembering what's in the Bible or like where it is. <laughs> I too, exactly. <laughs> anyway. So like, there's this part where he's talking about like how, you know, we see ourselves in a mirror that's clouded or a glass that's clouded or blurry or, you know, like, uh, you know, ruined. But at some point, you know, we'll be able to see ourselves clearly. Mm-hmm. And so I just need to assume that I need to assume that that's what I am. In fact, that the mm-hmm. way that God made me and the way that God sees me yeah, yeah. is who I am. Right. Right. And then operate out of that space. Right. Cause I, going back to his first point, if I operate out of that space, well, I'm going to, I'm going to treat people differently. If I feel like I'm valuable, like right. not, not better than, Cause it's not, that's not the, that's not the landing place either. Like mm-hmm. I know because we talked a little bit about less than, and so the opposite of, you know, feeling less than isn't better than like, I should never right. operate a place that better than, cause that's not humility or that's not, you know, true. Yeah. But like I can definitely operate from a space where I've got a lot to give. Right. Right. Because what you can give is different than what I could give. And yeah. there's somebody out there that might need what you can give right? and not have the same effect of, from what I can give. Yeah. So I love um, that pastor says God is the authority on who we are mm. um, because I look at the word authority and I think, man, that's such a strong and powerful word, which is who he is so strong and powerful. Yeah. And I think um, at times we can let the enemy trick us because I think the enemy thinks that he is the authority and that he has all this power. Um, because even in my Bible reading today, I'm reading through Luke and, and he's talking about, yeah, I'm reading through like when he tries to tempt Jesus and he says, takes him up to the mountain and says, I'll give this to you as if he has the authority to do that. And so I love that God has the authority, um, on who we are. Yeah. Um, and that's so much more important and so much more uh, important to think about versus like what the world might say that we are, or the enemy might trying to be coming in and, and, uh, you know, because I think when we think, um, when we don't look to God's authority on who we are and who he created us to be, that's when the enemy can come in and say, well, yeah, now I'm having thoughts that I'm not good enough to do this, but God gave me a gift to do this. And so if he has given me the authority to do this, then I need to walk in that and know that he's got my back. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, you know, uh, again, another thing that it says in the Bible that I think that sometimes we just gloss over and just, you know, like, oh yeah, I've read that a thousand times. I know that that's true. But is, is that, is that, is that Satan is the prince of lies, right? Like he, he, gosh, I was about to say he can't tell the truth. And I don't know if that's true or not, but like, I feel for sure though that, like that's how he affects me. And in fact, mm-hmm. it's funny you just said that because just this morning I was uh, on my phone, um, 
on the Facebook. And um, I was seeing like a bunch of people um, that I, that I've known in the past people that have been because I'm a photographer. Mm. And so I'd seen a bunch of people in my past that had been in weddings that like, I felt like, Oh my gosh, when that person gets married, I better shoot that because they're amazing. And mm -hmm. they think I'm great and la la la. Mm -hmm. And then like having the picture taken by somebody else, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, Oh crap. What if I'm, what if I'm not that great? Mm. Which is funny because the business is great, Scott. But like, like what if I'm not that great? What if in fact I actually suck? Mm. And then, um, I don't know if this is going to be too much information, but uh, I got a report um, uh, from accounting here uh, saying, here's the weekly giving for our church sites this weekend. Right. And I, <laughs> I'd never gotten that report before. And so like it showed like what the main campus took in and then it showed like what my campus took in. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. What in the world? Like, no wonder why I don't have an office. Like, no wonder, like, my gosh. Like, I, oh my, and so I texted my brother. I could show you. I texted my brother. I said, I feel like I'm failing at everything. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like people are choosing other photographers. People are, you know, I don't know. So, like, it, and like, I know that's not true. Right, right. Like, I know that I'm gifted as a photographer. I know that I'm gifted as a pastor. I know right. that I'm, you know what I mean? I know that I'm meant for those things. Yeah. So, but this is the enemy, right? Right. Telling me 100%. lies. Oh, you yeah. suck, bro. Right. You totally suck because he wants me to give up on all the things. Exactly. Because you know? what's going to happen to him if you succeed? Right. Yeah. 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 And so, I mean, and that's how he operates. And so like, if you're like on the, on the fence about like this faith thing and this Jesus thing and like, but you're battling, you know, negative thoughts or doubt or self worth issues or I guess hopelessness. When mm -hmm. I, I know that that's, I mean, that's his playground, you guys. And so, mm -hmm. you know, even though you can't see him and he's not, you know, walking around with horns and a pitchfork that like, he wants you to fail. And if he can get you to fail by thinking you're doing something right or by doing something, I mean, that's all the more like, like that's how he does. He's mm -hmm. deceitful. And he, so we think we're doing something that's good mm -hmm. when in fact it's not serving any good purpose. And it's definitely not stuff done in the image of God. Right. You know? right. And so that's a big deal. It's, right. a, it's a big deal. And it's a big part of my walk. Right. And, and yeah. I think he likes to use pieces of our past mistakes Mm. choices we made when we maybe weren't even a Jesus person yeah. um, and pull those out at times when things are on the right paths to detour you, to, yeah. to mess you up, to trip you up a little bit and go, Oh, maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe I shouldn't do this podcast. Cause I really don't have anything to say. Yeah. I'm not that good. Right. You know what I mean? I do. But God gave us all a gift. And so, we got to take those opportunities yeah. and use them and let God kind of shine through those moments yeah. and not, and push out those thoughts, push out the enemy lies um, because God did forgive us. Right. Right. I'm uh, working on uh, the next series here is uh, <clears throat> what is it called? The next series. Do you know what it's called? Oh shoot. Something about Jesus people. Okay. Be anyway. Becoming, becoming Jesus, Jesus people, people, Something anyway, like that. yeah. Anyway, so my message in that, <laughs> in that series is on the Beatitudes. Mm -hmm. And so I'm at the first one right now working on that and, and it's blessed are the poor in spirit. Right. And so like, like, what does mm. that even mean? Like, what is it? Oh, gross. Mm. Poor in spirit. It sounds so Franciscan, so Catholic. -y, so like, Oh, ugh. Mm. and so, but like poor in spirit means like someone that, that, um, 
that 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 doesn't that isn't like they're poor in spirit in that they're poor in like who they think that they are. Mm. You know what I mean? Not poor in money and right. and things. Right. Yeah. yeah. But poor in saying like it's not about mm. me. It's not about what I can do. It's not about you know. And this sounds like it's conflicting with what we just said. <laughs> no, but it's funny but, that you brought that up because I was. What was I doing? I was reading. And I was definitely reading in Luke, but I was reading something else too. And it might, might have been a devotion um, or something that I was researching. And um, the Hebrew word for poor is, I'm probably not going to pronounce this properly, oh, yeah. but it's an Ani okay. or Annie. I'm not sure. It's called, it's spelled A-N-I. And, and in Hebrew, poor means people with low social status. Mm. So it has not really much to do with money material. or material things, but it, in those days could be women, could be children, could be people with special needs, could be yeah. elderly, could be outsiders, could be people of different ethnicity or people who made different choices uh, with their religious walk. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that we associate poor with um material things yeah. and items when really it's a matter of being like uh religiously marginalized mm. do you know what i mean like like set to the side mm -hmm. you know they're not quite what we're at mm -hmm. you know what i mean and so like that's that's who the poor is right. you know right and so but i can't operate out of like what i can do mm -hmm. i guess that's where i was headed like i can't operate on my with my own capabilities i've got to operate right you know, again, knowing that I'm an adopted child of heaven, right? right? Like that, that's what I need to operate of. I'm poor to myself, mm -hmm. but rich in, you know, who God made me to be. And I feel right. like that's, I mean, I don't know. I feel like that's something that we should be focusing on. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Here's what Peter's saying. He's saying that the two benefits priests have are now available to every Jesus follower. Number one, we have direct access to God. We have the right to go directly to him. We don't have to pray through anyone else. We don't have to confess our sins to anyone else. We don't have to experience God through anyone else. We can go directly to God. This particular thing is a big deal to me. Mm -hmm. uh, this that we're a, a royal priesthood, each and every one of us. Mm -hmm. You know, in Growth Track, uh, we used to teach that when Jesus came, it flattened the hierarchy of our faith. That that I felt like the intention of God was to get back to this idea of how he and us were paraclete, where we were friends or companions that walked alongside one another, not through the you know interference or the uh, uh, intercession, inter intercession <laughs> of, you know, some sort of ordained, I don't know, go between, mm -hmm. right? I think sometime at some point in this message, Sean talks about how priest can be translated as a bridge, right? Right. right. But, but Jesus said like, we're done with the bridges now. Mm -hmm. Like you're the bridge, you're your own bridge, be right. your own bridge. You know, and it reminds me like, I feel like in our community, so many people um, were brought up um, either Catholic or Lutheran, which and I've said this before, like at one time you couldn't be more opposite than Catholic and Lutheran, but in today's church world, like they're almost like imperceptibly the same, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Just because of how the church works, like what the, what the service looks like, what the liturgy looks like, they're almost, you know, the same thing. So, but like this idea that there's priests and that we need priests to navigate our way mm -hmm. towards God, like there's nothing wrong with having a Sherpa. Mm -hmm. Right. That's what that's called. Right. Like a guy, like if you climb the Andes and he's just got a guy that pulls the llama with all your stuff on it. He's I a have Sherpa. No idea. Shelby. 
Anyway, there's a I Sherpa. <laughs> and so, like, it's okay to have a Sherpa in our faith. We mm-hmm. should be one another Sherpa, yeah. right? We, we're, we're helping each other. Like, oh my gosh, watch out for that thing. Oh, let me help you, right? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Right. But there's no special, like, level of us right. that's better at that, you know, or that's more holy. It reminds me of a couple of things. It reminds me, I did a, I performed a wedding for my nephew, Ben, <laughs> and, uh, my oldest sister's son, Chip, I'm sure he's not listening, so it's fine. But he came up to me afterwards and said, hey, not bad for a pretend priest. Oh, my goodness. I'm like, oh, yeah. Hey, thanks. I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm a pretend priest. Right. That's what I am. Yeah. you know. And it also reminded me of my mother-in-law, who probably also doesn't listen. She, uh, she asks me often to pray because she feels like God will listen to me more than she'll, he'll listen to her. Right. Yes. Be- because I'm a pastor? Like, what? Honestly. Mm. Like, that's not the thing at all. Like, like my prayers are no more valuable to God or I've got, I don't have a better like angle at God than mm-hmm. you do. But because you have a different, you have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. I think some people think like, well, I'm not really, I'm not a Jesus person. That's not really my thing, mm-hmm. but I know you are. So yeah. he's probably going to listen to you. Yeah. He's not really going to listen. I'm not in the right place yet. I'm too messed up for yeah. him to listen to. Yeah. When in fact, well, you could, a person could make the argument that he's going to be more prone to listen to that one, right? Because like right. when we think about Jesus and the sheep, right? The Jesus and the 100 or the 99, mm-hmm. like he leaves the 99 who are close to him or that who obey him or that follow him, yeah. right? And he, go, he leaves them alone and like goes off and gets the one. So right. he might even right. be, I feel like a, a bigger heart for you if you're messed up. Right. So she, I, my mother-in-law might have a better angle on God than I do, right? Because, right. you know. Or she I, thinks God's a genie. I don't know. Right. Oh, right. Or that. Right. Dallas's and, mom is the same way. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. She calls him. She called him one time. He's probably told the story. I don't know. Uh, but she called him one time and she doesn't listen to this. So I think he'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. She called him one time because her friend's cat was very ill and dying. And she's like, I need you to pray for this cat. Because I know if you pray for this cat, he's going to be okay. And he's like, are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. No. Mom, do you know what I do? <laughs> yeah. No. Huh. And I feel like that's, I mean, I love that you said that because I feel like so often for us, that's what we feel like our prayer life is. Mm-hmm. Like, do you pray? Well, I mean, I don't always need something. So no, I guess I'm not always mm-hmm. praying, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, that's like, that's like only talking to your spouse. Like if you need them to empty the dishwasher, right? right? Otherwise I'm not even going to talk to you. Right. Like I don't need mm-hmm. you. You don't need me, but it's your turn on the dishwasher, honey. Right. You know what I mean? Take the trash out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so like, I mean, that's not what prayer is about. Right. And I don't think that that's how prayer works. Right. I'm at a weird price, place with, I'm not a price. <laughs> I'm at a weird place with prayer. Like, I mean, I, I pray, but like I, I used to feel like it was like your mother-in-law felt like, mm. oh my gosh, this cat's dying. Someone pray. And then they'll heal him. And if they don't heal him, it's because you did something bad in your life. Mm. You know, or you don't deserve the healing or something. Or the cat doesn't believe strong enough or something. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't know that that, the more I learn about God and his plan and his will, you know, I'm like, I don't know. I'm changing God's mind by my prayers. Right. You know, I'm like, I'm not going to change his plan. Right. I feel like the power of prayer for me is, you know, is uh, subjecting myself to his authority mm-hmm. and saying, you know, Hey, like, I know that you're in charge. Mm-hmm. Here's what the desires of my heart are. Mm-hmm. And if, if, if these aren't right, if they're not righteous, change that in me. Right. Exactly. 
you know? And so like, cause when he says, you know, if you pray in my name, I will give you the desires of your heart. And I feel like it's not because our prayers change. It's because our desires change. Mm-hmm. Like the more we get to know God, it's our desires that change. Mm-hmm. And so we stop wanting, you know, cats that come back to life or we don't, <laughs> we don't want Ferraris or we don't want, you know, blonde girlfriends, right? We want oh. these, there's these different things that we want. So there's different things that we're asking for. Right. And so the more humble we become, like there are, I feel like our prayers change. Right. And so I find like when I pray with people, I'm always like, oh God, would you just give them your peace? Like just insert yourself into their lives and yeah. give them a, a peace about this and an understanding and a, and a comfort, right? And a, and a courage mm-hmm. to withstand whatever comes up against them. If it's your will, gosh, like heal this cat or heal this person or get rid of this cancer. Like if, if. And I always say this, and I don't even know if this is right, but like, I'll say, if it's your will, like totally heal them. Like, like, like not right now, like, you know, yeah. get to it. Yeah. Right. But if that's not your will, then, you know, help them help these people come to an understanding of like how this could play out, you know, mm-hmm. to the glory of you, to the glory of God, to the glory of the kingdom. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I think God, I think prayer is just i mean obviously it's just talking to god just like we're talking right um sometimes you need that friend that you can go to and be like look this is going on in my life and i don't even know how to handle it because i don't think we were created to be able to handle everything yeah you know and i think that prayer um is a time that we can you probably said this but um but maybe i just didn't i don't know you use big words sometimes <laughs> <laughs> like sherpa yeah, like Sherpa. <laughs> but I think that prayer is uh, acknowledging that I can't do this. Like yeah. this is out of what I can physically control. And I'm acknowledging that I cannot physically control this or handle this. And so I'm I'm releasing it to you. Yeah. And sometimes we need to say it. Sometimes we need somebody else to say it with us. Sometimes, you know, it's just... And I love that pastor says... Uh, he um, reminds us that we have direct access to God. Mm. Meaning I could be walking around my house, cleaning my house and realizing like, God, you are so good. Yeah. Like I may not have a 10,000 square foot mansion, but man, I've got a roof over my head. I've got food in the fridge. I've got an amazing family. You are so good. You know, I don't have to go, um, Oh, I've got to drive down to my local church and grab a pastor real quick and have him pray with me because this is going on in my life or yeah. I need to thank God. Like I can just do that on my own. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. A lot of people, you know, a lot of people will try to get, uh, to like uh, here at our church mm-hmm. anyway, you know, pastor Sean and pastors, like, I got to meet with pastor Sean. I got it. Like I'm, I'm sure. And so I, I get that. I get that, that. I mean, that's how our professional lives are built. Right. Like if you need something done, you try to get up as high up as you can in the chain of command, because yeah. I mean, like they've got more power for sure. They're closer to God right, right. than anyone else. And so, and this yeah. is not true when it comes to our faith. Now, Sean has gone through some stuff. Like, listen, if you're incarcerated or your kid's been incarcerated and like you're worried, then go to Sean because he's got experience with that. Or if you lost your kid, like when it was just a baby, then definitely go talk to Sonny about that. Cause she's, you know, she's right. experienced that grief and that loss. Yeah. So it's through our experiences that we have uh, a, a deep, maybe we might have a deeper understanding of God, yeah. but it's not because that he's got a degree from, you know, North central Bible college or because he, you know, been talked on the youth circuit for five years. That, that, that doesn't, he's got no more authority than you. He's yeah. got no more pull than you. He's his, you know, 
And so like, you, you don't need that. It's great. To, it's more important. You have a circle of friends, right? You know what I mean? Because like, if you have a circle of Jesus, people that love you and love Jesus and because among that group, mm-hmm. there's going to be people that have gone through the crap that you're going through. Right. For sure. And that's, I mean, that's more valuable than a coffee with Sean at the exchange, Yeah. you know, like to have people that you can just count on that, you know, that I can be vulnerable with, that I can be honest with, that I can, like, I don't have to like pretend to be anything with. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's critical. Right, for sure. And I think there's a difference between recognizing that the Bible says where two or three are gathered, he is there, versus um, I need to come to you, Pastor Scott, for you to pray about this because God's not going to listen to me. Because I think that at that point, we're now putting our faith in man versus putting our faith in what God can do. Right. Because man is going to let us down. Every time. Yeah. Sean's going to let you down. Sonny's going to let you down. I'm right. going to let you down. A Shelby might even let you down. have all of the answers and not going to be able to, like, if you physically can't handle this situation, probably the person you're having faith in isn't going to be able to fix this problem either. Yeah. Yeah. So. I dig that. And, and just one last thing on this point, if you're, if you're praying about something like about guidance, or if you're praying about a piece or you're praying about a decision, like the Bible is really clear as far as I understand it. Again, I don't know where it is. It might be in Luke. Maybe you've read it. Yeah. I'm just kidding. You talked about reading Luke twice. <laughs> That's just the chapter I'm in right now. <laughs> um, but I feel like I always get, get, get that thing to line up in three places. I've got to get it to line up with the word, right? Mm-hmm. So like anything I'm deciding about, the option that's that's not supported by God's word by the Bible, like it's already disqualified, right? Like it's like, you know, if it goes against God's word, it's disqualified. That's Mm -hmm. not an option. That's not what God wants. Right. Right. The second place is like, does it set well with me? Does this one decision or another, does one way or another do I have a piece about about it? Right. Right. If I could get sick, icky about it, like if I'm in knots about it, if I want to vomit about it, then that's another tell. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is that is to have this council of saints to have this, like this Jesus people pocket. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this is what's going on. And if they truly love you and they truly love Jesus, you take their word as well as you mix all those three things together and whatever filters out through that, that's the thing. Right. You know? So, and by, it's by prayer that you get there. And so prayer is a really important part. Yeah. So I'm going to play the next soundbite, but listen, I don't remember now if we've played this soundbite before. So we're on the fourth soundbite. Oh, look at you. You should always be here because I couldn't remember if I clicked off of this one or not. Anyway, let's listen to the next soundbite. In the book of Exodus, God says, you will be my kingdom of priests. And there's two really interesting things inside that verse. First, in the Jewish culture, a priest was defined as someone who put God on display. Next, the Jewish understanding of a kingdom is so different than our Western culture understanding of a kingdom. In a Western mindset, a kingdom is like whatever land a particular king had conquered, acquired, or possessed. But Jesus would define a kingdom as anywhere a member of that kingdom was. And so the kingdom was expanded or it was advanced anywhere that a member of that kingdom set their feet. So when you're in your neighborhood or at your school or workplace, you're advancing God's kingdom to that place. And when you get there, you are to advance that kingdom as a member of his royal priesthood, as people who put God on display. And and you don't have to shy away from that because you are capable. Shelby, Shelby's looking around the studio right now. I'm not sure what, what, what's going on. What are you looking for? You don't for? hear that? It's part of this. 
soundtrack. Oh. <laughs> I thought there was a live animal in here or something. <laughs> you guys. <laughs> Shelby's hilarious. You mean like a little scratching sound? Yeah, yeah. That's part of the sound. Oh, gosh. Okay. You'd think you'd be used to that because I feel like this is like a loop that you'd have in worship. I mean... And I've listened to your podcast before, yeah. but huh. I have never realized that that's Her in eyes it. were the size of saucers, you guys. Like <laughs> she thought for sure there was a big giant rat or something. <laughs> anyway, oh now I've already forgotten the sound Back bite. on track, yeah, though, please, right? Yes. I love, I love this one. Um, and I love this one because um, I love that he says, well, when we become Jesus people, we become a part of the royal priesthood. Yep. And when you're... You know, a priest is someone who puts God on display and you become a part of God's kingdom and the kingdom is wherever a member of his kingdom is, that is where the kingdom is. And I love that because I think so many times, and it kind of goes with the last point we were talking about is people come to pastors so many times with a, with a passion and with an idea that I think God has given them to run with, but they think they can't. Because they're not a pastor yeah. or a priest. Yeah. They don't realize that, okay, but now, but you are a royal, you are a part of the royal priesthood. You are yeah. a part of God's kingdom. And because of that, when God has given you this passion and you this idea, when you go into your community, you are bringing God's kingdom there. Yeah. And I think that's so amazing and such a good reminder. Right. Yeah. I love that. I, I feel like um, for whatever reason, this reminded me of like, the reason why I used to have a uh, Jesus fish on my car, because I wanted to be, I wanted, I wanted to be held accountable. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if I had a Jesus fish on my car, then I couldn't park certain places or I couldn't drive certain ways or I couldn't whatever. Right. This seems like a small thing I know, but just stay with better me. Better not have road rage. Right. Better not have road rage. Better not park at a, you know, CD joint or, you know what I mean? Not a CD joint, which if for those of you who are listening, it might be younger than a certain age that we used to listen to music on CDs and you could go to a store that had used CDs mm-hmm. and you could buy a CD. So not, not a CD place, but a CD place. Sounds like the same thing, doesn't right. it? CD's not a big word, Shelby. So stop looking at me like I'm using a word you have no idea what I'm saying. Like you lived in Las Vegas for 13 years. Like Las Vegas know. is a CD joint. Okay. All right. Anyway, <laughs> my point is, is that I want to live a life where A, everyone knows my faith. Not everyone knows that I'm a Christian. Not everyone knows that I'm a church man or mm-hmm. man of the cloth. Not that. Everyone knows like that I love Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Everyone know I want to live a life where everyone knows I love Jesus just by the way that I, you know, present myself. And then, and then, and then mm-hmm. coinciding with that is this idea that I live a way in that, that, um, is a witness to that, mm-hmm. that testifies to that, that I'm only going to live a life of love. I'm only going to live a life of, you know what I mean? Um, I don't even want to say purity, right? Mm-hmm. I just want to live a good life where people are like, I want what that guy has. He's got joy. He's got love. He's got, you know, sure. peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, somethingness, and self-control. What's the somethingness? somethingness. There's a somethingness that I always forget. Anyway, he lives that life. Mm-hmm. This is the fruit of his life. Right. And so, and then what makes him have that? Oh, I know because he has Jesus. Not that he has church, not that he is, you know, ordained, not that just, you know what I mean? And so when I think about this idea of the kingdom, I love this. I guess I just never put these two things together until Sean pointed out. Shocking. I could say that to just about every like yeah. message that he's ever given. But sure. 
you know, this idea that the kingdom isn't the place that we're hoping to land someday. Like right. we're going to get, you know, the drawbridge will come down and we get to go across and the drawbridge will go up and we'll be behind the moat and all the bad people will be outside the moat. Mm-hmm. A moat is like a thing of water. Yeah, I got goes, you on okay. that one. <laughs> Sorry. That's the last time I'll do that. Maybe. So, um, but that, I mean, that's not the kingdom of God. Right. You know, that the kingdom is where I am. And in fact, if I can love you like God does and convince you that Jesus is worth your while, mm-hmm. now I've doubled the kingdom, <clears throat> no matter where I am, right. not inside my church, not even in my parking lot, right? But in just in my life in general. So right. our neighbors and our cube neighbor, right? Is that what you call someone that has a cube next to you? The cubicle? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Probably. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So like there, that's that. there's the kingdom of God. Right. So when we're advancing the kingdom, that's what we're advancing. Mm, right. You know, so then if you look back at that as like a, in a, like a military strategy way, like you're trying to advance, well, I need to broaden the kingdom and that's what you were called to do, right? Downtown right. we have love and love and go, right? Love mm-hmm. Lord your God with all your heart, mind and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself, even the ones you don't like and go and tell everyone the good news and make disciples of everyone and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that's the go part. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can't just love and kind of love and then just forget about the go. Like the go was the advancing of the kingdom. And so like when Jesus told us, you know, what should we do or what, you know, what commandments should we follow? That's what he told us to do. Mm-hmm. And in fact, he said, you can, you fulfill all the commandments by doing these things, by mm-hmm. loving Lord, God, with all your heart, and soul, loving your neighbor as yourself. And so like that, that's, that's how I need to advance the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Always faulting on the side of love rather than the side of right. Mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes too many Christians want to land on the side of right. Yeah. And like some, there's some things that we just don't know. Like we're not, I mean, we feel like we know, but it, I mean, that goes back to being poor in spirit. I've got to be poor in what I think I know. Mm-hmm. Right. And rich in what, you know, I tell you that, that God's truth is. Yeah. Does that make sense? I think so. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> Next up. <laughs> Like there are no three words that communicate self-worth better than you are forgiven. And God doesn't rub your sins in. He rubs them out. He doesn't rehash our sins like we do. He releases them. They're wiped out. We, we won't be held accountable for them. They're forgotten, gone, erased, treated like they never existed. I don't know if it's in the book of Luke, but I feel like someplace, I, I, feel, I feel like, I feel like Jesus said something about how it, it is as far as the East is from the West. That's our transgressions, right? Isn't that, mm-hmm. isn't he talking about that when he talks about that? I feel like that's somewhere in the Bible. And like, and so, you know, that sounds like just a simple turn of phrase, but like, I mean, that can't be farther away as mm-hmm. far as the East is from the West, because it's like infinite. Right. Right. And so like when, when we're forgiven, and it doesn't take much to be forgiven. Mm-hmm. It's like practically nothing at all. Mm-hmm. And so when we're forgiven, Jesus is like, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. Yeah. Like he's like, I don't know, like he gets like that zapper from Men in Black, right? Like, <laughs> right? And so he's like, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. What do you th- When you were 20, you did what? Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about that, right? Yeah. And so we don't do it. We hang on to it. Right. And like, I love an alpha, uh, 
Nikki Gumbel talks about how if if we accept that God's forgiven us, but we don't forgive ourselves, then we're setting ourselves up as a higher tribunal, mm. meaning a more supreme court than God is. Mm-hmm. I go, well, I mean, God's got to forgive me, but I know what I really did, yeah. and I can't forgive myself. And she, what you're saying is like, I mean, that's sweet, God. That's cute. Like you to tossle his hair and like say, <laughs> nice work, right? But like, I can't forgive myself. Right. And like, that's not how he operates at all. That's not the space that he operates in. Now, mm-hmm. forgiveness is super duper easy. Repentance is harder. Like that's the ongoing right. journey, you know, to say, oh, I hate that I did that and I'm never going to do it again, but then you do it again tomorrow. And you're like, oh my gosh, I hate that I did that. Yeah. That's the journey where you like keep hating what you've been doing or keep right. hating how you've you know, disappointed God. And that's, you know, we talk here often about how sin is more than the 10 commandments. So when we think about forgiveness, we often think I need forgiveness because I've sinned. And like, you could look at the 10 commandments and say, well, I'm doing pretty good on the 10 commandments. Like I'm not coveting my neighbor something, or I'm not killing anyone or thieving mm-hmm. anything or dishonoring my mom. Right. But that's, I mean, that's not, that's not the extent of, of sin. Like sin is really anything that falls short of the glory of God or in other words, anything that God wouldn't do. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's so much I've already done. It's nine 51 in the morning. And there's so much I've already done that God wouldn't have done. Right. Like, and so like, those are the things that are sin. And so like, they're not really big, like mild, monument things in our lives. We can say, here's the places where I've sinned. Like, it's just like, it's an everyday thing. This is my nature. And so I have to hate that I do. And I have to try to be better tomorrow. And so it's easier to to find forgiveness for me when I accept the fact that, uh, I don't deserve the forgiveness and everything is covered by the forgiveness. Yeah. And I think we compare too. we can, we compare in this circumstance, not that we always compare God to, to man, but at the same time we think, maybe my human father wouldn't forgive me of this. And so it makes it very hard to realize and come to the understanding and determination that God's not our human father. He's our heavenly father and he's bigger than that and better than that. And he'll never leave us. And, you know, um, yeah. Then I think about how, uh, you were talking about how, um, God, when he forgives, he, he doesn't bring it back up. Nope. He doesn't, like pastor said, he doesn't rub it in. He rubs it away. He doesn't yeah. throw salt in the wound. And right. so that, that's a good reminder to think about when those thoughts do come back into your head. Like, I know that I asked for forgiveness for this. And I know because the word of God says that he'll forgive me and he won't bring this back up. Right. That these thoughts that are coming into my head now are not of God. They're from the enemy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's right. And so what we just circled all the way back around. That I was know, beautiful. Huh? Yeah. Huh. Good job. See how good you are at this. <laughs> hey, I want everyone to like uh, email Shelby, Shelby at lifechurchgreenbay.com. Tell her what a great job she did on the podcast today. She was super reluctant to do it because she felt like she didn't have anything good to say. Mm. And I feel like you've got a lot of great mm. things to say, Shelby. Thank you. Yeah. I'm glad that you were here. Thanks. So I think we're done, right? I mean, you were counting all of our sound bites. Did we get through them all? Yeah, we, we did all five. Okay. Mm. Thanks. <laughs> It's so funny. It's such a great picture of what Shelby <laughs> is and what I am. Anyway, thanks for joining us. If you um, enjoyed this podcast, we'd love it if you would uh, rate and review this podcast on your uh, podcast platform because more people will see it the more people that rate and review it. Uh, if you'd like to share this podcast with someone else, that'd be great. On social media, just you know, say 
you, I thought maybe you might want to hear this. This was really good because I know you've been this or you've thought about that or you've asked about this other thing. Sharing is a great way to extend and advance the kingdom of God because you are the royal priesthood. You are a holy nation and you are the kingdom of God. So once again, my name is Scott Eastman. I was your host today. My guest was Shelby Cox. Shelby, thanks for being here. Yes, of course. And so uh, we'll talk to you next time on um, the Chew on That podcast. Um, thanks for being here.